Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. What is holiness? First Peter chapter number one, verse number 15. But as he which has called you is holy, so be ye holy in what? Not just at church. Oh, oh. In all manner of conversation, which means lifestyle. So this ain't a church thing, huh? Amen. Wow, what a scripture. Be ye holy in all manner of uh, conversation. Then it tells you why. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Is that all of that? Let me look at my Bible. All right. Turn with me now to 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. First Corinthians 6, if you don't have your phone or your Bible, you can trust our sound lady today to take care of you. First Corinthians chapter number 6, verse number 12. I need you to write these down, and I need you to write every scripture we, take, we bring to you today. I need you to write it down. All things, Paul said, are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Mm, what a scripture. First Corinthians chapter number 10. Now, you're going to find a lot of this to the Corinthian church. Paul had to write this way to the Corinthian church because they were spirit-filled believers who were constantly trying to see what they could get away with. That's the Corinthian church. They spoke in tongues and danced and carried on, but they were constantly trying to dabble with the world. So Paul was constantly trying to keep them in check, and he wrote extensively, and that's why I'm asking you to go back and read the Scriptures. 10.23 says, again, he writes, All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. Takes it to the next level. All things are lawful for me, but all things do not edify. So let no man seek his own, but every man another's well-being. Tell your neighbor, it ain't even about you. Come here with your preferences. God don't care what you prefer. It ain't about you. He saved you to use you. I like the, he, he said, go and loose that coat and bring the coat back to me. We love to preach that God loosed us like he loosed the coat, but he loosed the coat to put it to work to bring Jesus in. He didn't loose you just to be loose. He loosed you for service. I'm going to need help today from the Holy Spirit because y'all are sitting on me already. Where was I at? Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth or well-being. rest that is so good. I want you to go back. Uh, drop down in 31, verse 31, same chapter. Where, whether therefore you eat or drink... Or whatever, somebody shout whatever. whatever. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Mm. And give no offense to the Jew, to the Gentile, or the church. Now that is a tall order. I don't want you offending the Jew man. I don't want you offending the sinner man. And I don't want you to offend the church man. Even as I please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit. Oh, Jesus. Look at our selfish self. But the profit of many that they may be saved. 
One more place, which is going to take us back to last week's, because this is part number two. Hebrews chapter number 12, verse number 14. Hebrews 12 and 14, what a powerful scripture. Follow peace with all men and holiness, and somebody read the rest with me in concert, without which no man shall see the Lord. Father, we want to thank you now because your word is power. It's true. It's hammer. It's a hammer, Lord. It, 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 it convicts and stirs and challenges. I pray that your word will not be watered down today for fear and favor of man, but today that your Holy Spirit would empower me to hide behind the cross to preach nothing but the unadulterated word of the living God and then help us to be able to receive it, embrace it, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you as you're seated in the presence of the Lord. Last week, we dealt with the first part of Hebrews chapter number 12, verse number 14. Follow peace with all men. And we dealt with racism and denominationalism. And we learned that without unity, we will not and cannot see God. Amen. So our desire to see God, I want a disclaimer right now that I will not preach to everybody in this building today. I'm not foolish enough to think that I'm going to preach to everybody in this building today. I will only minister to those who want to see God. Amen. And this message will probably determine how bad do you want to see him which is exactly what I started to name this message, How Bad Do You Want to See Him? Amen. So according to Hebrews chapter number 12 and verse number 14, our desire to see God warrants and even demands an all-out pursuit of unity with all people. Amen. Matter of fact, we preached last week, uh, 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 Matthew chapter number 5, verse number 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. You cannot call yourself a Christian if you're a racist. You cannot call yourself a son of God, amen, if you are biased against another man or woman of the human race. Matter of fact, we've taken it to the next level that you cannot call yourself a child of God if you're not working to reconcile relationships both vertical and horizontal, amen. Uh, it, it's not enough to ride our pews to heaven and, and embrace our cultures. Children of God will automatically pursue peace. So if you're sitting in this building this morning and you have something against someone that is standing between you and him, you are standing in a questionable line of Christianity. Because true children will get it right. Why? Because when you're getting it right, you're acting like Jesus. Y'all just pray for me. He'll be all right. Tell your neighbor, he'll be all right. And before I go any further, I need to define to you what does it mean to see God? Follow after peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see God. What does it mean to see God? Well, Moses said, Lord, I want to see you. I want to see you. And God said, you have asked really a hard thing because no man can see me and live. But I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. There is a place I'm going to put you where you can catch a glimpse of me. There is a rock, and I'm going to put you in the rock, and I'm going to put my hand over the rock when I pass by so you can't see me. But when I get by, I'm going to move my hand, and you can see my back parts. What God was telling Moses was, I'm too great for you to see me because it'll kill you. But I am going to let you see where I've been and what I'm doing. And then you can determine by the things you're seeing done, that's God. I was in a hurricane one time, and, and I'm just amazed with bad weather. I just love it. And I, people were taking shelter, and I was running around watching the results of the hurricane. It was so bad that I opened my door, and it sucked my door and broke the door on my wife's car. I could not see the hurricane, but I knew a hurricane was present. Amen. You can't see the wind, but I can see the effect. So when the Bible says, blessed are the, uh, those are, are, uh, that follow peace and that pursue holiness, they're going to see God, meaning you're going to get to see the supernatural divine power and the ability of God. The question is, how bad do you want to see God? 
Amen? So this scripture that we, we, we dealt with last week, it doesn't stop with unity, but uh, this, uh, with mankind. It also says that holiness is a requisite for seeing God. I believe this message is going to answer multiple questions in hungry people's heart who really want to see God. Some in this building are seeing God on the level you want to see God. Amen. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. There's other in this building that are confused and discouraged that we're not seeing God on the level in which you really desire. May I help you today? So another requisite of seeing God in the manifestation of God is holiness. And once again, our desire to see God should provoke a pursuit for holiness. The problem is, what is holiness? What does holiness even look like? I submit unto you that the American church has so drug holiness through the mud, we don't know what holiness is no more. Amen. Everybody's got their own definition and their own standard of holiness that's birthed in the heart of a man, followed by a congregation of people that, amen, that don't know what holiness is. And I believe the lines have gotten blurred and the water has become muddy. Today we will seek clarity on what is holiness. What does holiness even look like? Well, here's the definition with holiness, if you'll help me out. Holiness in the Greek is that word, hagiosmos. And it actually means, to shorten the definition, a state of purity. A state of purity. And the definition of pure is free from anything of a different, inferior, she couldn't read my read, uh, writing, inferior or contaminating kind. Holiness is to be pure. It means to be free from anything of a different kind than that of God or an inferior kind of what promotes God that is of a contaminating nature. Is that okay? Are you with me? So holiness is perfect unity. Take it to the next level. Holiness, I'm talking about in, inwardly, is perfect unity with yourself. And with God. Holiness is perfect purity. It's integrity of moral character. And holiness is one of the most predominant, prevalent attributes of God. Leviticus said, God is holy. Peter said, be ye holy. God said, for I am holy. In other words, be ye pure because I am pure. What he was really, really was saying is be ye all of one component, not contaminated by anything different or inferior. I'm going to say that again. God is saying, do not be contaminated with anything different than what I am. Do not, do not be in, in contaminated with anything inferior to the divine nature of a holy God. Can I get a witness? Amen. So if God is, is, is all one component, amen, that's what holiness is. It's one component. It's not a component mixed with something else. Then if God is good, he's all good. There is no bad in him. He can't slip up and be bad. Are you following me? Why? Because he is holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y. He is holy, completely good. Does that make sense? If God is love, he is all love. He's not contaminated by hate or even the lack of love. He is pure love, therefore he cannot not love. So if you ever wondered if God is so mad at you, he don't love you, it's impossible. Oh, God, that's good right there. Because there's nothing else in him. He is of a pure nature, and there is no biasness, prejudiceness, any kind of hate or dislike in him whatsoever. So, amen, he's so full of sweet water, there's no bitter in him. So all that comes out of him is sweet water. Oh, 
oh my God, I feel like God's going to speak to us this place. If God is righteous, then he's all righteous. There is no unrighteousness in him. He is pure. He is uncontaminated. That's what the Bible says when it says God is holy. He, he is not contaminated by anything or inferior to his holy nature. That's why the Bible says he never changes. He cannot change because there's no other component in him. Oh, my God. How do you explain the holiness of God? And now he's telling me, and I'm telling you, I've never studied a message that had brought me under such conviction in my whole life. Amen. That, that he said, you be holy because I'm holy, meaning I want you to be so pure there is no other component in you that no matter how deep they cut you, you still bleed Jesus. Oh, God, that no matter how they mistreat you, you cannot vacillate from being good to bad because there's no bad in you. Is anybody listening to me? So no matter what you do to me, you're going to get the same response, and it's love because I have pure love. Oh, my God, is anybody feeling as convicted as me? Amen. And we condone our attitudes and dispositions and our anger and our temper tantrums with a... a, a uh, uh, uh. And he said, be holy because I'm holy. My God, I'm telling you, I've been in this ministry for I don't know how many years, and I've been under utter conviction for the last few days. Amen. He cannot change, but it gives me a new view of God that I ain't got to worry about God flipping out on me. I ain't got to. This ought to help somebody right here. I, I know you've been stupid all week. Amen. Hey, stupid is stupid does, huh? Amen. I know you've acted a fool all week, but you ain't got to come in this building wondering, is God going to dislike me? He cannot hate you because there's no component of hate in him. He ain't nothing but love. Amen. I didn't say he wasn't disappointed, but he loves you when he's disappointed in you. He loves you, my God. My God, that's why I can trust him. Now that I'm learning that he is a holy God, amen, that's not a religious cliche. There's no other component in him, amen, that is not holy. He is all completely holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, holy, H-O-L-Y. He is holy, holy. He is completely holy. And he's demanded I be the same. That is too much. He is demanding that I be the same. There is nothing inferior to his holy nature in him. This is why he's trustworthy, because not only will he not change, he cannot change. For him to change, he would cease to be God. He said, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. Nothing on the outside can change anything on the inside. That's why Jesus said, the devil is coming into this world, but there is nothing. I have nothing to do with him. He has nothing in me. Oh, my God, that's a good one. He can't tempt me. He can't pull me back, because he don't have nothing to attach to in me. Oh, if the church would get holy again, we wouldn't fight all these temptations again. But we got so much contaminated, inferior stuff in us, then the devil's got a target to shoot at. Oh, my God. No wonder James said, every man is tempted when he's drawn away by his own inferior, contaminated self. God said, be holy. Come out from among them and be you separate. Who preaches this stuff anymore? Amen. Come out from among them. Be separate. There's a contaminated spot in you, and it's a great big red flag for the Satan. And he said, I got a door. I got a door. I got a door. Jesus said, the devil can't do nothing with me because he ain't got nothing in me. First Peter 1 Peter 1.15 says, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy. Be ye pure. Be ye uncontaminated by anything inferior to or of a contaminating nature. In all manner of conversation. Can we talk this morning? Manner means from method, form, method, or way of performing. Manner, form, method, or way of performing. Conversation means, if I could just read my writing, general course of behavior. 
general course of behavior. So he said, in, in every aspect of your life, be ye holy. Keep it pure. Don't mix it. Uh, for you that take taking notes, if you don't have a, something to write on, write it on your neighbor's britches leg. Don't mix it. Write it on your hand. Get your phone out. Record it. That's what I do when I'm praying. God speaks. I, 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 I do that voice thing. Amen. He said, don't mix it in any area of your life. Don't contaminate your godness with inferior stuff that is inferior to the nature of God in any and every part of your course of behavior. In other words, in every, in, 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 in all manner of conversation, be holy in your personal life. Write that down. Be holy in your public life. Be holy in your family life. Be holy in your entertainment. Y'all are just waiting right there, ain't you? So yeah, I preach finna jump on this. Is your TV programming inferior to the divine holy nature of God? Is your 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 computer programs is it inferior to the divine nature of God? Keep, keep it pure. He said, keep it pure. All manner of life. You can't be holy in a holy atmosphere only to go out and indulge in unholy stuff. Now, now we're going to work this this morning. Amen. Uh, what about your TV? Amen. Is there unholy stuff? Be not partakers of another man's sin. Are we contaminating our spirit watching what we wouldn't dare do? I don't know. I'm just throwing it out here today, and I'm just telling you where I'm at. Amen. What about your music? What about your music? That's a big thing nowadays. Is your music inferior to the divine, holy nature of God? What about your social media? Be ye holy in all manner of conversation. That holiness ought to run right through in every area of my life. What about my social media? How, how holy is this? Another characteristic, can I go deeper? Another characteristic of holiness is the word sanctified. You ever heard that word in your Bible? Sanctified. Do you know what that word means? Sanctified, it has the same meaning as the word holy, which means pure, uncontaminated. But sanctified goes a little deeper, and it means holy and set apart for sacred service only. Holy, set apart for sacred, uh, sacred service only. Only. So when Peter wrote, be ye holy in all manner of conversation, he was saying, you can't mix it up. Every area of your life must be kept for sacred use only. Oh, this is too much. This is too much. In other words, I can't use my eyes for looking at unholy stuff and then expect to see holy things. Because when I use my eyes for unholy stuff, even the holy stuff becomes contaminated in my eyes. The priest said in Achai, amen, if the, preach, if the priest has holy meat in his garment, and they would take meat that was set apart for sacred use, if he has the sacrifice in his garment, and he's walking around, and he touches something that is unholy, not sinful, but that has not been set apart for God and God alone. He said, if he touches it, does that become holy? He said, absolutely not. But the holy he's carrying becomes unholy. So in other words, holiness is not infectious, but unholiness is infectious. So he said, in reality, when you take the holy stuff and you contaminate it with unholy stuff, and then you come back in the sanctuary and offer me holy praise, your holy praise has become unholy. And
and we're wondering why we don't have a move of God. And God is saying, you're lifting up filthy hands to me. You use them ears to listen to garbage all week, and you expect my beautiful holy voice to speak into your ears that is full of contamination. Oh, help me this morning. Amen. I can't use my mouth to bless God and then use it to curse people. It's contaminating the holy, and even my blessing becomes unholy to God. I can't use my ears to listen to that that is inferior to the nature and the character of God and expect God to walk right through dirty ears to whisper the great things of his holiness. And we're sitting in churches and we don't know what's going on because, because, because where's the power? Where's the glory? Why am I filled with fear and, and anxiety and depression and oppression? And why don't I don't have the joy of the Lord when I'm still doing all this religious stuff? Amen. And it's because we have become so contaminated. The majority of this church right here watches soft porn every day of our lives. Can I be real today? If you have seen a perfume commercial, if you have seen a car commercial, or if you have seen somebody trying to sell a barbecue pit, for Christ's sake, we have saw soft porn. Wow. It is quiet in this place. I'm just throwing out here, amen, how bad do you want to see God? Amen. I'm not saying anything is a sin this morning as much of how much have we let go in. David said, I will set no evil thing before me. I told you I'm only preaching to certain people in this building this morning. The question is, how bad do you want to see God? We talk about the Africans. I travel over there, and I, and I see the miraculous and the supernatural, and we always use the same statement. Amen. It's because they have to live by faith every day. That's exactly right. That's one point. But the second point is they don't have a television. They don't have a Facebook. They don't have a social media. They don't have the temptations me and you deal with every day of our lives. So their eyes are pure, and their ears are pure. Am I making sense to anybody? I'm not calling anything a sin. I'm just trying to show you something. Can we go deeper? I can't allow my mind to dwell on unholy things and then dwell on God. He said, bring into captivity every thought. I must pursue holiness if I want to see God. My eyes, my hands, my feet, my ears, my mind, my language must be kept free from contaminated, being contaminated by things inferior to the holy nature of God. Amen. I tell you, I got halfway through this message and thought, oh, my God, it's too much. It's too much. And God said, how bad you won't see me. So on Wednesday night, oh, you ought to be in on our Wednesday night. We, we established a new value system. The problem is how valuable is the presence of God to you? Let's take it in one more step. There are some things that are not bad. They're just not holy. A lot of things are not bad. They're just not holy. Second, uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 12 said, Paul said, all things are lawful to me, but all things are not expedient. And I will not be brought under the power of anything. Now, expedient, catch this, leave it up there, means that which serves to promote or advance the cause of Christ. Paul said, they are some lawful things that I can do, but they do not advance the gospel. They don't edify anybody or anything. But what he said next shook me to my core. I will not be brought under the power of any. Paul said, there's a lot of things I could do, but I do not do them because I do not want to be brought under its power and become its slave. I'm so sick of, is it a sin to smoke? Is it a sin to drink? Amen. I'm so sick of this age-long uh, debate that's been going on, and it is debatable. I know both sides of it. Well, Paul just did away with the debate and said, I, some things I will not do, because, not because it will keep me out of heaven, not because it's a sin, because it has the potential to bring me under its bondage. Because said, Paul said, I know me. I know the flesh. And yeah, it may not be 
a sin, but 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 the flesh does not win does not know when to say enough is enough. Amen. There are seven things that never says it's enough, and hell is one of them, and the flesh is one of them. No matter what you do, the flesh wants more. Oh, my God. I'm going to go over here to this side. Amen. And it ain't the fact that it's a sin. It's the fact that the flesh, when it gets you hooked, amen, doing something that does not promote, there's no advantage to it whatsoever. It's inferior to the very nature of God. Amen. Paul said, I know me, and I know the flesh, and I refuse to even partake in something that has the potential to become my master. He said, it could make me a slave. And the more I push the limits, the greater the bondage becomes. I'm going to say that again. The more I push the limits, this was the Corinthian church. The more I push the limits, the greater the bondage becomes. May I submit to you, when I exploit my conscience to prove my freedom, my freedom becomes my bondage again. I'm going to say that one more time. When I exploit my conscience to prove that I am free and not religious, then my freedom becomes my bondage one more time. I'm going to put it another way. When I exploit my conscience to prove I'm not religious, my freedom becomes my new religion, and it makes me arrogantly religious. So now we're turning this, amen. Benny, I don't know if you remember telling me this one time, but you ran into a lady in the store, amen, and she, uh, he was coming to church, and she, she said, uh, where are you going? He said, oh, I'm going to church. She said, oh, we used to go to church on Sunday night, but that's when we were religious. I'm not saying you have to go to church on Sunday night, but I'm afraid we have hung holiness on the cross and called it religion and have killed it. They hung Jesus on the cross and called him a criminal and killed him. We have hung holiness on the cross and called it religiosity and have killed it. And when it died, the power faded. Is anybody in this place? And now we want to call everybody else religious, and we want to start a new doctrine. Amen. And do not religious. We do not even understand. We have become more religious than them, except we have created a new religion, and it's called freedom. And my freedom has brought me into bondage, and I can't even love like I used to love. Oh, this is too much. So just because... Are you still with me this morning? <laughs> so I must be cautious even when it's permissible. Uh huh. I have to be cautious even when it's not criminal. Paul said it's not lawful. It's not lawful. It's not against the law. You ain't going to get in trouble for it. Nobody going to write you a ticket for it. But you've missed the point. You're so, the church has done moved into the mode. We're so trying to prove what ain't wrong. Paul said it ain't even about what ain't wrong. He said it's okay. Do it if you want to do it. He said, but you better be careful because that will become your bondage again. Mm. So just because it's not criminal doesn't mean it couldn't become dangerously habitual. Then Paul takes it to the next level in the same book, talking to these Corinthians who were so spiritual on one side and wanted to just dabble on the other side. It's okay to do all of this and go there. Paul said, man, y'all have missed it all. You missed it all. It ain't about a bunch of rules and regulations. It's about a motive in your heart and your overwhelming desire to see your God. Then Paul takes to the next level in the same book and says, all these things are lawful to me, but not all things edify. So Paul first said, there's some things that might not keep me out of heaven, but they could become an unhealthy addiction to me. So he deals with his personal holiness. Then he says, they are some things that are lawful, but they do not edify anything or anybody. But rather... If it does not edify, it can only do one other thing. Are you following me? Amen. 
There's, there's always opposites. It's the law of physics. And so, so if I'm doing something that's not edifying, then I must be doing something that is tearing down. So Paul takes it to the next level and says, amen. He said, I will not do anything that does not edify and build up, but rather it could become offensive to a weak brother. To a weak, meaning immature, not established brother. 1 Corinthians 8 9. Give me that on the screen, please. My God, please stay with me. Don't let me lose you. 1 Corinthians 8 9. I'm sorry. I didn't give you that, did I? I did. But take heed, lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. Paul said, I'm not even here to tell you you can or cannot do it. Thank God we've been set free, and we're not under no restrictive law anymore. But Paul said, you better be careful that this liberty that you're claiming you're having, that it does not become a stumbling block to that weak brother over there who's looking at you saying, oh, my God, I didn't know you could do that. I didn't know that was legal because I felt convicted of it. And it goes on to say, I want you to write these scriptures to go back to these chapters. He said, not becoming a stumbling block to them. Uh, be careful that your freedom of yours does not become a stumbling block to them that are weak. For if your freedom, same chapter, emboldens a weak brother to sin against his conscience and he perish, you have sinned against Jesus Christ. Wow. If what you're doing, in other words, if I do something that is questionable in my culture, amen, this is where we live, y'all. This is the world we live in. We're in a culture, whether we want to admit it or whether we embrace it or not. We're in a culture. And if I do anything that is questionable, in my culture, Christian or non-Christian, and a weak brother, an immature brother, does it against his conscience because you done it. He then goes against his conscience, and he is now sinning against God, and you caused him to sin. Therefore, you have sinned against Jesus. You got to be kidding me. You got to be. Paul goes on in the same chapter and says... If my freedom causes my brother to be offended, then as long as this world stands, I will do nothing to make my brother offend. There's the mindset we're looking for. There's holiness. Are y'all still with me? There's true holiness. Uh, that not only I'm not going to uh, uh, not only I'm not. Let me walk around a little bit. It's all jumbled up up here. Not only am I not going to do it today and tomorrow, but I'm not going to do it as long as this world exists. If it's got one inkling of a way that it could offend somebody, amen, I will not do it. Oh, my God, what selfless Christianity. You know what we say? They can get over it. I can't help that they got a problem. Oh, it gets, it gets worse. You want to go a little further? Amen. So, so, yes, sir, Paul said, it may be, listen to this. This is all in that chapter. It may be permissible and lawful as far as my conscience is concerned, but I will not do it for the sake of your conscience. What? Did the Bible said that? That's what Paul said. He said, I'm not telling you to do it because you're convicted of it. I'm trying to tell you to do it because people you're trying to reach are convicted of it. And there's some weak brothers in your own church that don't understand how you can be such a high and mighty leader. Amen. And you're partaking of things that convicts them. Here's the deal. It's not that you're not a great leader. And you may not be convicted of it. But if there's an inkling that is bothering you, you know what? I ain't got a problem with it. I will not let my palate take place of my piety. Oh, y'all didn't catch that right now. Hey, Amen. We're fighting where I can drink a little wine and drink a little of this. If your palate is more important than your piety to God and to man, he said you have sinned against Jesus. It's quiet in here this morning. I've been quiet all week. I begin to seek for direction in the church and direction for you as your pastor. And this is where God led me. That I should love man and love God so much that if it bothers you, brother, I'll never eat another piece of meat. 
If it bothers you, I'll never sip another sip of wine. I like one place it says, and when you go to these scriptures, you're going to find it. Paul said, if you're not convicted of it, do it to yourself and to God, but keep it to yourself. In other words, if you're going to do it, do it behind closed doors and hide out. So what the scripture said, instead of running around, say, oh, you mean you don't do that? No, I don't, and it's not because it's not a sin, but maybe because I have a conviction of it. Take me to my Roman scriptures. Just a few more minutes. Just a few more minutes. Uh, Romans, I don't remember where. Uh, this is in the Amplified. Let us then definitely aim for and eagerly pursue what makes for harmony and for mutual upbuilding, edification, and development. What if we was as eager to look for stuff that built people up than look for stuff that we can offend people with? That would change everything. Oh, my God. Let us then uh, uh, edification and development of one another. Just walk me through them, please, quickly as you can. Uh, 1920, it goes on, I think. You must not, for the sake of food, undo and break down and destroy the work of God. You must not, for the sake of drink, undo, break down, and destroy the work of God. You must not, for the sake of music, undo, break down, destroy the work of God. You shall not, for the sake of Facebook, or... All manner. Destroy the word of God. Everything, here it is, it didn't, everything I just named may not be uh, ceremonially clean. Everything is indeed ceremonially clean and pure, but it's wrong for anyone to hurt the conscience of others or make them fall by what he eats. The right thing is to eat no meat or drink no wine at all. Or do anything else if it makes your brother stumble or hurts his conscience or offends or weakens him. You, oh, good. It's just getting better. Y'all with me? Your convictions on such matters, everything I just named, your convictions on such matters, exercise them as in God's presence, keeping them to yourself. Striving only to know the truth and obey his will. Paul said, quit flaunting and quit calling everybody religious because they won't do your stupid stuff. And I'm not even going to say it's stupid. Amen. But you have formed another religion and you're more religious than the people you're condemning for holding to convictions. Paul said, if you're going to do some things, it's not a sin. It's not a sin to eat pork. We know that. He said, but these bro weak brothers don't know that. And while you're out there eating pork, that weak brother, he, although his conscience is telling him don't do it, he thinks it's God. But he looks at Josh Love and said, well, he's a leader at Life Church. He's eating some pork. I'm going to eat it. And the whole time he's eating it, he's condemning himself. And he robs himself with a relationship of God. I wonder if some of us ain't in the condition we're in because we're doing injury to other people's conscience. Are you with me? Can we take it a little further? Keeping them to yourself, striving only to know the truth and obey his will. Blessed, happy, to be envied is he who has no reason to judge himself for what he proves. He who does not convict himself but what he chooses. He said it's a blessed man who lives his life and everything he does, he has a clear conscience about it. But the man who has any doubt, any misgiving, any uneasy conscience about eating, then, and, and, then, and then eats, perhaps, perhaps because of you? <laughs> oh, that's, 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 that's something right there. He stands condemned before God because he is not true to his convictions, and he does not act from faith. For whatever does not originate, originate and proceed from faith is sin. Whatever is done without a conviction of its approval of, by God is sin. You want me to tell you what a sin is? Everything you're doing, that there is a little bit of wonder. But the problem is, the church is so muddied up the lines, and we go seek counsel from someone else who don't know what holiness is, and they're telling you it's okay. For how can I tell you it's not okay? Because I'm doing it. And we start shutting down the voice 
of our personal convictions, and we are robbing ourselves of seeing God. Is anybody in this place? Blessed is the man whose conscience is not condemning him about what he's doing. You want to know why? Because he's doing what's right. I pray we get so convicted over the little things that's not a sin that we also start getting convicted over, is this bothering someone around me? Oh my God, I got to watch how I dress. I got to watch what language I use. I got to watch how I talk because it might be offensive to a weak brother that I'm trying to minister to and that destroys my influence in their life. And I stand piously and said, they're the ones with the problem. God is saying, you're the one with the problem. Because Paul said, I become free of all men and I have made myself a slave to every man that I could be an influence in your life. I have some things I could get away with that I do not do. And I do not do them because they'll keep me out of heaven. I do them because if your community heard Pastor Love was doing some of those things, it would destroy this church. Amen. And now Pastor Love's in a position to where I'm pulling leaders up on this platform, and now I'll catch it out there. Oh, my God, you listen to me? So you ain't got to worry about being offending religious people in the church because Paul said, do not offend the Jew, don't offend the Gentile, and don't offend the church. There's people that are unchurched out there that have stronger convictions than Christians sitting in here. I ain't going down there at that church. They're drinking and smoking and carrying on. Amen. Uh, And you might be saying, well, it's not a sin. It doesn't matter. The whole point of the gospel is they see it as that, and it's the culture I'm in. I got to do one of two things. Go find a culture that condones it all, which would be out of the center of God's will, or fulfill the scripture and love God and love people. (laughs) Blessed is the man whose conscience doesn't convict him. I'm just wondering, is there any convictions left in the body of Christ? And some of you are watching these big ministries. And I have never judged another ministry. I have stopped people from judging ministries. I've had people come here and judge ministries. And I told them, did you hear it out of their mouth? They said, no, I got on the phone, called the ministries hotline and asked them about these things. I never, I never put ministries down. And I do not appreciate you putting them down because you're just as bad as they are. I should have said that like that. But I will say this, you better be careful from watching these big ministries and then finding out what they're doing behind the scenes. But because they're successful, you're starting to do what these guys do. When in reality, amen, it might be a conviction in your life you need to cling to in spite of what the big dogs are doing. Because it may be just a step of obedience to you instead of trying to find a way. Can I go a little further? Look at this. Amen. Be true to your convictions, but hear me, and I'm trying to quit. I got a lot of miles to cover. Careful that your taste and your desire does not override your convictions. I'm going to say that again. Be careful that the stuff you like, there is nothing, and I don't mean to be offensive. There is nothing no more ridiculous than a cowboy church, a motorcycle church, a black church, a white church. All that is people who have desires that they wrap Christianity around and call it a cowboy church. Oh, I can't ride a horse. Does that mean I can't come? Are you following me? Is there anything wrong with the cow- Absolutely not. We just need to rephrase it. We are a church full of cowboys. Are you following me? That's why Paul said what he's about. Be careful that you don't let your desires and your passions override your conscience. Amen. I just got to ask you this question right in the middle of this heavy sermon. How bad do you want to see God? If it does nothing else, I hope it silences your confusion to quit asking me, where's God? Because now you know. He's hanging up there with holiness where you nailed him. 
One more. Galatians 5.13 and Amplified. Galatians 5, where we've nailed him. Y'all get a load of this scripture. Write it down. Go back to these books. For you, brethren, were indeed called to freedom. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus, for freedom. You were called to freedom only. Do not let your freedom be an incentive to your flesh and an opportunity to, or excuse for selfishness. Wow. He said, that's all you're doing. Yeah, you're free. He said, all you're doing is using it as an opportunity for your own selfishness. And you ain't thinking about nobody else around you. You don't care. They'll get over it. They'll get a grip. <laughs> That's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not the gospel Paul preached. He said, yeah, you're free. But don't let your freedom be an incentive to your flesh and an opportunity or an excuse for selfishness. But through love, you should serve one another. For the whole law concerning human relationship is complied in one precept. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. It's what the church is doing today. And as a, as a result, our world is being overrun. We have no power. We have no demonstration. And it's because it went out with holiness. And we fought over music. We fought over drinking. And the fight itself was an indictment against our hearts. Because we failed to see the true gospel of Jesus Christ was, I know it's not a sin, but you know what? It's not about me. Because there's some little fella out there that sees me with a beer in my hand, amen, that it destroys his confidence. And now when I come knocking on his door to witness, he goes, ho, 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 before you get too deep in that sermon, you got a beer? Just come to invite y'all to church. I didn't say it was a sin. Y'all remember the sermon I preached with a cigarette in my mouth up here? Everybody in here was going, oh, my God. I mean, this place went in. It was sacrilegious to the core. Remember, I laid it in my Bible and was looking for Scripture, but the smoke was. I didn't say it was a sin, but what did it make you feel like? He said, that's what you ought to be thinking about is what it makes him feel like out there. Amen? Because then you want to come and preach about this holy God. Amen? When they're thinking about the things you have done and you're said, uh, have said, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see God. Should I stop now while we're all still breathing? I want to stop with this statement. God equate, equates everything I just shared with you to one thing. How bad do you want to see him? While you may argue with me, and what's worse, you may argue with yourself about all these little petty things. But when God looks at it, he simply says to himself, now I know how bad you want to see me. It's clear by the decisions you're making and the choices that you're making how bad you want to see me. I'm not preaching a message of condemnation telling anybody you're going to hell because I now believe there's a lot of things you can get to heaven with that I didn't believe when I first got saved. I believe I've evolved and come a long way. That I brought a lot of baggage into this thing. But I need as your pastor to ask you one question before I let you go. Do you feel like I have drug baggage into this sermon today? Or do you feel like I have preached the truth? Of trying to find a balance. That whatever platform you find yourself on. If it's a platform in your kitchen with your children, listening to every word you're said, it ought to be holy. If it's a platform in your community where they know you're a member of Life Church, your conversation ought to be holy. If it's a platform for you to preach the gospel, sing the music, play the music, whatever your platform is, it cannot be mixed. It has to have one objective 
and one message and one nature. And it cannot be inferior to the nature of our God. Why, pastor, am I not going to go to heaven? That ain't what Paul said. He said there's lots of things you can get away with. But I am going to say this. There's one thing you cannot get away with. And that's causing a brother to fall. Because you have now sinned against Jesus Christ. Stand with me all over this building. Today. Today. The Holy Spirit has established doctrine in Life Church. Today, the Holy Spirit has reset the moral compass of Life Church. And all I can do for your leaders is beg and plead don't make me do for you what you ought to do for yourself. Because that's not me. It's not my nature. I just want to love you. And embrace you. And encourage you. But something happened to me in the revival at St. Paul's when I preached on how bad do you see, want to see God. And I want to see God worse than I want you to be my best friend. I want to see God worse and keeping my mouth shut and listening to you talk arrogantly and ignorantly that I have to open my mouth because I begin to seek God for direction and what's wrong with the church and the first thing he gave me was the racism and then he began to deal with me with holiness holiness has got to come back to my life Holiness has got to come back to the body of Christ. Your body is not your own. You've been bought with a price. And I'm so sick of the lie that i got to be like the world to win the world. It has infiltrated the church. And, and we, we even use poor Paul, the man who wrote all this stuff. All Paul said, when I become, I become all things to all men. It's easier to win a man that's drinking when I'm drunk. Did you hear what I said? Oh, yeah? Yeah, if I'll just get in there and drink with them, maybe I can relate to them. How ridiculous. May I remind you, please help me, Holy Ghost. May I remind you that when Jesus got ready to bring racial and social restoration in Samaria, he went to the woman at the well. Amen. And the woman at the well who was a Samaritan, she was a different race, a different culture. She did everything different from him. He didn't say, okay, let's stop outside Samaria. I got to change clothes. And I got to look like a Samaritan. I got to change my hair, and I don't know what the difference was, but he said, I got to do all this so that I can win this Samaritan woman. Because the first thing she said when he started preaching was, you're a Jew. So it was obvious that he did not change who he was and what he was to be effective in Samaria, and he turned Samaria upside down. It's a lie, church. It's a lie that I got to become like them to win them. If this gospel needs to be propped up with fleshly attributes, I don't want this gospel. Because them attributes will fail. And you'll change. And what you're into right now, you ain't going to be into in 10 years anyway. It's going to be different. So now we're trying to become like them. <laughs> we got to buy a motorcycle to get motorcycle people saved. That ain't why you bought that motorcycle. You bought it because you like motorcycles. You just used it as an excuse. Boy, that's good preaching right there. I'm going to get me a hat and some spurs so I can go win a cowboy. Who are you trying to win him to? <laughs> you? Or Jesus. Am I making sense this morning? Do you see how ridiculous this lie that the church has swallowed? You'll get somebody saying, do like Todd White does. 
And I seen him standing at the line at a uh, rock concert. He wasn't in there jamming with them. He was out in the line and going to them and said, uh, the Lord said that one of your legs is short. Would you sit down, please? Healed him. <laughs> if you, you, you can't ride in on a black horse, preach a white message. You got to ride in on the same horse. And you got to ride out on the same horse. So everybody know. If I got to trap somebody and sneak up on them to get them saved, they weren't ready for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they'll sneak out of the church like you snuck into that. I am unapologetically, emphatically Christian to my core. And I cannot lay that down so that I could win you to this Jesus that I love so much. God is setting a new standard today, and I knew this message was going to be heavy, and I knew there wasn't going to be a whole lot of shouting. And you know me, church. When I preach, I'm climbing pews. I'm spitting about six pews back. But the Holy Ghost is saying, we got to stop and get some structure because my church is confused, and i got work for her to do. I got work for her to do. The world is going to hell while we're fighting over tattoos and piercings. Saying any of us is sin. I'm just saying if we begin to judge our hearts and our motives, it'll start changing our actions. And you know what happens when this starts happening in our lives? He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. That now I'm not quitting anything because a preacher told me to. I'm quitting something because I'm in love with people. Hey! Oh, it's so different. And I'm so free because now I'm quitting because I have a conviction that it might be their conviction. And I love them so much. This is a man who's not in bondage. This is a man who has not called let freedom become his new level of bondage and religion. I don't know what to do but pray. Would you pray? Would you pray right there where you're standing? God, please let me hold my holiness up to the light of the word that I have heard this morning and let me judge my holiness by the light of the word, not by the creed of my church. <laughs> not by the culture. But let me judge my holiness by the light of the word because today I have heard the truth. I have heard the truth, Lord, and I want to see you. I want to see you, Lord. I want to see you, oh God. I want to see you. Please, Lord, wash my eyes and make them pure. Would you cleanse my ears and make them pure? Would you cleanse my feet, my hands, Lord? I, I, I'm setting them apart. I'm setting them apart. I cannot use them and mix it up anymore. I can't mix it up anymore. I'm confused. <laughs> I'm confused, Lord, because I've been mixing it up. I've been mixing it up. I've been mixing it up. Oh, God, I feel the Holy Spirit in this place. I ask him to please bring conviction. Would you open up your heart to conviction right now? Forgive me for mixing it, Lord. Forgive me for mixing it. I know, it, I know, I know it's not a problem. It's lawful. It's not criminal. I'm not breaking the law. The only law I'm now breaking is the law of love. Please, Lord, let it begin in me. I don't know what my brother's conviction is, but Lord, please, let it begin in me. Come on, church. We got to use this moment before we break this atmosphere. God, oh God, oh God, have I crucified holiness and condemned it as religion? Have I done what they've done to you, Jesus? Have a Lord. Have a Lord. Have a Lord. Somebody right now, I hear the Holy Ghost say and pray, Lord, take me back to my first love. Take me back. Because if you go back there, some old convictions are going to come back. Pray it. Pray it, Lord. Lord, take me back to my first love. When I was so in love with you and I was not confused, I was just hungry for you. Take me back until those convictions are stirred up in me again. God, please don't let me go on in blindness. Please, Lord. Please, Lord, because I want to see you. I want to see you. Uh, amen. My God, some of us have to lay down uh, dope at the altar. Some have to lay down crack pots. But maybe today we're just going to have to hold, lay down the remote control or the iPhone. Maybe I'm going to have to lay down some stuff that has been inferior to the divine and holy nature of a holy God. God.
ma 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 have your way, Holy Spirit. Be ye holy, even as I am holy. Maybe some of you, maybe some of you have went through this message unscathed, but like me, find yourself vacillating between a couple natures that I always condoned. He said, I need you to be pure love. I need you to be pure mercy, that you're not biased in who you're going to be merciful to, that you're so much mercy, you show mercy to those who do not deserve it. You're so pure love that you love those who do not even deserve it. God, I want to be holy. I want to be holy, Lord. I want to be holy, Lord. I want to be holy because without it, I can't see you, Lord. I can't see you, oh God. I want to see you. I want to see you. I just want to see God. I just want to see God. As your pastor who loves you and respects you, Fluky, we've been together nine years. You've watched me grow as a pastor, you've watched me handle situations. I didn't handle it the right way. I handled them out of zeal instead of love. You've watched me in nine years go from thinking I had to make you do this and make you do that to where I believe I have finally come to a place that I love you enough and I love God enough to trust Him to do the work. My only responsibility is to present you the work. I love you too much to condemn you. And I trust that you love God enough, you're going to let the Holy Spirit do the convicting. Is that fair enough? Is that fair enough as your pastor? I may cut up and carry on and name things, but I've come to the conclusion that I could probably preach hard enough to make y'all do a lot of certain things, but you wouldn't be free. You'd just be doing it because I don't want the preacher to know him. You wouldn't be free. But if we can present the gospel and let you use your own intelligence and convictions, I believe you're going to make the right decision because we want to see God in Life Church. Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.